Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the world welcome to the cliff ravenscraft show here's your host cliff ravenscraft that's right my friends welcome back to another episode of the cliff ravenscraft show and for those of you who have been listening for many years you know that primarily this is a solo hosted show and if you know me really well you know that i have not really been a typical fan of the interview format podcast I don't know if maybe things are changing as I get older, but I have found myself really enjoying a couple different interview format podcasts from time to time. I don't enjoy every single episode. One of the shows that I've been listening to quite frequently is this show called How I Built This. I believe it's by NPR. Guy Raz is the guy who does the interviews, and the depth at which he goes into conversation with people I think is intriguing. I think there's also the appealing factor of the type of people that he interviews. So usually what I do is I look into the podcast feed for how I built this and I look at the title of the show and it usually shows the name of the person that's being interviewed. But more importantly to me, because most of the time that name is not something that's immediately recognizable to me. But it also has in the title of each episode, it has a name of the company that that person built or companies. So, for example, there's episodes that stood, that stand out in my mind right now off the top of my head. There's Atari, the guy who created Atari, the guy who created Flickr and Slack, Southwest Airlines, Jim Beam, the guy who's responsible for the Power Rangers, five-hour energy drink, the lady who's responsible for creating Spanx. I mean, there's a lot of these interviews that I've listened to and just what I, you know what I think has changed? Okay, now that I investigate what it is that I'm finding more appealing these days, listening to interviews than maybe in the past, and that is over the past two and a half years of my life, I've immersed myself in the study of what it is that I want to do with my life. And that is I want to help people create change that lasts a lifetime. I want to help people break free from limiting beliefs that are holding them back from taking action and pursuing the lives for which they were created. I have devoted myself in in learning everything I can learn about why people choose to do the things they do and how people can change what they choose to do. How do you how do you inspire change in someone? How do you motivate someone to change and and I've I've learned so much about, I guess what you would call practical psychology. I've been immersed in the study of this for 10 to 15 hours a week, and that is not an exaggeration. That's the number of hours I spend at the gym, and a majority of the time that I'm at the gym, I am studying audio programs and also video programs on understanding practical psychology, why people do the things they do. And I think it's because I'm actually listening to interviews today based upon this lens. I have this language to listen for. All of a sudden, I hear people say that I, if they say a phrase like, I struggled with this, or I had this dream, or I had this overwhelming desire, 
And I hear though I, they're just key phrases that are said that strike me in a different way. And then all of a sudden I hear what actions were taken as a result of that. Or when somebody says that they failed and why do you think that is? It's like all of a sudden it, it yeah, I think that's that maybe why I'm in an, I am enjoying interviews way more than I did in the past. But when I got to thinking about the fact that, hey, the Cliff Ravenscraft show, this is my place where I come here and I do all the talking. But I, I want to have more conversations with people. I, and, and I have an idea of doing a lot of conversations with people that I've recently had the honor and privilege of doing life with. And today is going to be the beginning of a series of those conversations. Now, I may break it up and I may do a couple weeks where it's just me solo. I don't like to put myself in a box and I want to encourage you. You never have to be in a box. You, Dude, it's your show. You get to choose whatever you want your show to be. And so that's exactly the approach that I'm taking. But for the next several months, I envision myself having lots of conversations. Conversations with people that I've had the honor and privilege to do life with. People who are inspiring me by the actions they're taking in life. People who have learned how to break through to new levels of success. And today, I am honored to bring to you a conversation with my great friend, Casey Price, who I had the privilege of meeting and working with for the very first time through my podcasting A to Z course back in 2014. And what I love about the conversation I'm about ready to share with you is you're going to start to discover who is Casey Price what makes him who he is today and and why he shows up in the world the way that he does, what his dream has been, and how he's helping people throughout the world. And here's that conversation now. Casey Price, oh my gosh, I am so excited to have you on the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Welcome, my friend. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'll tell you, um, I'm, uh, you're the first in the long line of what I hope to have as conversations with people that I've had the honor and privilege of doing life with through uh, various different products and services that I've created over the years. And you've been through quite a few of them. Uh, we'll get to that at the end of the episode. We, we, we wanna get, I want to get to know more about you. Um, I, I know quite a bit about Casey Price today, attorney at law, stressed out caregiver, and I, wanna, I want people to know about that as well. But Casey, I want you to tell me a little bit about where are you from and, and wh- what did you do? Like when you were a kid, what did you dream of being when you grew up? Wow. Okay. Well, let's start with the easy thing. I'm from Haddonfield, New Jersey. I've lived in Haddonfield since I was four years old. Um, there was a time when I started, I was living with my parents before I got married and my office was six blocks from the house because I work with my father. I'm really lucky. And I'm sure we're going to talk more about that as we go on, but just a little kind of a glimpse of who I am. I I live six blocks from the office. And when I got married, uh, my wife and I moved to a mile away from the office and that commute killed me. So I moved back into Haddonfield and I've (laughs) lived here. Yeah. (laughs) I I love that the one mile commute killed you. Oh, it was awful. You know, I, I it was the, there was a light, a traffic light between my apartment and the office. It, it was, it was, oh, it was, it was awful. Um, so we moved back into Haddonfield. I'm six blocks away from my office again in a different direction and I'm happy as a clam. So uh, yeah, I'm really lucky. I've been uh, practicing law here with my father for now 21 years, almost 22. In fact, this month it'll be 22. 
Uh, we practice elder law, which means we help people who are caring for elderly loved ones. We help the elderly themselves. We've been doing that exclusively for 20 years. And um, it's just, I'm really lucky. I really am. Wow. So you've been, I mean, did you have any job outside of working for your dad prior, prior to becoming an attorney? Yeah, I did. So when I graduated college back in 1993, I dreamed of becoming the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and and changing the world. And uh, so I actually started in the financial services industry. I was working in the back office at Smith Barney and um, was like to think I was working my way up a little bit um, through that through that side of the office. And what happened was a couple years into that journey, I injured my back. And it was the third back injury I had. It required a back, another back surgery. I've had three back surgeries, uh, the last one in 1995. And as I lay out on my bed, because I was out of work for a number of months, as I lay there on my bed, I thought to myself, there may come a point in my life later on, if I injure myself again, that my job won't be waiting for me when I come back from recovering. Um, so, so I decided to take life into my own hands and apply to law school. So I I was laying on my back. This was the age before computers where I was literally typing the law school application with the typewriter laying on my belly because I couldn't sit. I couldn't stand. I couldn't walk. I was bedridden. I I typed the application. We mailed it off and I I made it into law school. And so I decided that, you know, I became a lawyer and then I was going to change the world by being a criminal lawyer, criminal attorney, um, you know, defending the rights of the accused and life took me into elder care. So it's just funny how you kind of, that was like kind of drifted into the perfect situation for me. So financial services in, in college age uh, time. What about as a teenager? Did you have any odd jobs, anything that got you started in the workforce? What was, what was go take us way back, Casey. I want to know what, what was your first job that somebody paid you for? Maybe even as a kid before you were allowed to have a job. Well, you know, I did the the newspapers, I, I delivered papers, I mowed lawns, but you know what I always wanted to do? What I dreamed of doing when I was young was pumping gas. Yeah. And in, in New Jersey, we, we don't pump our own gas. The gas station attendants pump gas. And I always wanted to do that. So when I was a freshman in high school, I got a job at a gas station and I was very happy. Learned how to suffer through the elements, the heat and the cold and everything else and in a difficult environment where this was back before the uh, pump would turn off by itself. So if somebody asked for $5, you had to make sure it landed on $5 while you were running four other pumps at the same time. So it was a it was a uh, a hectic job. I loved it, um, but but I'm happy I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued. What was it? Do you think uh, that that you felt like that would be an appealing job? I mean, what what do you think motivated that? Well, I, I, it was, I don't know. It was you pull in the the people where I worked were always nice. Um, you know, you needed gas. They they helped you out. They'd they check your oil. They they uh, they do your windshield, clean your windshield off. And it was just that. It was service back then. It was a service industry, and um, yeah, I just there was something about that that always appealed to me. And and you know, short touches. Hey, how you doing? A little bit of small talk, and then we all went on our way. And um, just something about that. 
I really liked. You, it sounds to me, just judging by your words and and also the the smile on your face, it's it's almost as though you sense that maybe your own dad, whenever he pulled up, and and also watching the other people, that there was a sense of appreciation for what that person, that individual, was doing, and it's like. If I imagine Casey Price sitting in either the passenger seat or the back seat of the car, it's like, man, I hope somebody would appreciate me like that one day. Is is there something to that? I think there is. I think you know you're you're a bit of a showman when you're when you're doing that. You know, in that in that industry, you're 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 raising their spirits. You're you're it's um you have the attention on you. You're the person kind of you're in charge. You're oh, pumping yeah. the gas. You're 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 and but in the end, it's a, it's it's a positive experience. You know, and it just always felt good sending people on their way in a, in a positive way. I, I love it. It's almost those, it, I, there's the service part of it. There's the appreciation. And then I, all of a sudden, Casey, I'm starting to notice some things here. There, you're a performer. Yes. You're I a performer. So. You love the, oh my gosh. And you even said it earlier. Here's what I see. Casey Price on stage for a limited time only step up to or roll up to the pump and see this guy in action. Go ahead. Tell him you want $5.15 and see if he can't fill your tank and eight other people's tanks at the same time and he'll stop it on the penny. And that was always the goal. And and most of the time we did stop it on the penny. But yes, it is a perform. I've been performing my entire life, albeit I'm one of those people who's always performing behind closed doors or has been up until now. I mean, there's stories my my mother will tell of me as a as a as a little, little, you know, toddler type was we would be at my grandmother's house. We would go there every Sunday. And well, my last name is Price, right? So what's my favorite game show? The Price is Right. So I would pull out as the word she uses, you don't use it anymore, the sweeper, right? Oh. The old vacuum cleaner. It would have the long cord. So I take the sweeper out so I could get that cord and that cord would be my microphone. Uh. And oh, they would have to play the prices right. I'd walk around, take their bids and, and do all that. And I was Bob Barker. I was standing there in the middle entertaining everybody. I've always loved doing that. Wow. Fun stuff, man. So, yes. so uh, let's see here. I've got you delivered some newspapers, you mowed some lawns, you pumped gas. Did you have any other odd jobs before going into the financial services? I was a telemarketer for a while. Tell, tell, um, tell us about that. What, 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 were, what were you telemarketing and were you dialing out to people like cold calls? How, how did that happen? Yeah, it was it was actually back before telemarketers were despised like they like they sometimes are today. Uh, I was working here in southern New Jersey, and we were dialing down into Georgia, um, selling credit cards for a department store. So that job didn't last that long. That's a tough <laughs> job. Um, the phone would dial automatically. I mean, you'd hang up one call, and the next call would be on the line, and and that was eight hours of just nonstop. But the pay was good, and the people were nice, and. So, so I want to ask you some questions about this. So eight hours, you say it didn't last long, but how long is long? I mean, some people that may be a one eight hour shift and some people it, it may have been like three years. So, so how long did you do this? It was about, it was on and off for about a year. Uh, I was, it was, I think that was the, the summer before college. And then I did a little bit while I was in college um, before I, I moved on to the restaurant. So that's the so next you, chapter. So uh, we'll get to that. But <laughs> I, I want to hear about these telemarketing days. So eight hour shifts and you don't even have to dial the phone. It sounded like it sounded like the they had a system that was already ringing the next line. As soon as you hung up, it, it's it. Here's the next person answering the telephone. 
Yeah, that's exactly how it worked. I mean, so you would you would be on the call, you talk to the person, you had your scripts, um, you would follow the script. Uh, every now and then you'd go off. Do you if, remember if, any of the script? Like any words from the script no. whatsoever, Casey? Not specifically. No, I mean, I should. I've said it. I said it a thousand times. It felt like, uh, or ten thousand times. But no, it doesn't. It doesn't um, ring to me. I can't even remember the name of the store. Do you uh, remember we any for. one conversation that really, like, somebody who didn't hang up on you, but you remember a conversation? Just you haven't even thought about it until today. No, but I do remember people were pretty nice, and, and for the most part, they were nice. Um, you know, and you want to treat, you got to be careful with telemarketers or you used to have to be careful because if you were mean, I didn't do this, but I know people who would, you know, if they didn't want you to bother them, but they were really mean about it, you'd put them on redial and they'd get the call again. So, I mean, you, you, it comes back to the old thing. If you treat everybody well, look, the telemarketers calling you, it's their job. They're trying to make a living. If, if you, hey, please do me a favor. Don't call me anymore because you take me off your list. Sure. They're going to take you off the list, but if you're not nice to them, you may not get the best result or what you were looking for. So treat everybody the way you want to be treated. It's a lesson that carries well through life. I learned it then very uh, clearly. So on again and off again for a year and a half, you obviously left it for a while, but then in college, you went back to it for a period of time. So you must have, you must have actually had some level of success with it. What were those days like on an on a eight-hour shift what was a good result for you as far as number of people you talked to and did people actually sign up for their credit cards as a result of the conversations? They did. Oh, you'd sign a lot of people up for the credit cards. It was, it was interesting. Um, I, you know, Cliff, it was, it's been so long and it's actually something I tried to put out of my mind because it, they were long, monotonous days where you just said the same thing over and over again. And it wasn't like you were face to face. You couldn't connect with them emotionally the way you can like even here where we're where we talk on on the computer on zoom and things like that where you can see each other and and, and feel each other on that it was just solely a voice on the other side of the phone and um and you were kind of robotic in your script and it was not the most fulfilling work um for me were you allowed to go off script you it was very discouraged um for a couple reasons number one the script they knew the script worked Mm. You know, so, so it had, if depending on if the person objected, you'd match their objection to another part of the script and you'd, you'd try to overcome their objection. And, uh, so no, that was very discouraged. And, um, so now, you, you, and, and, and what I'm hearing is I heard you say, I'm, I've tried to put that out of my mind. I've tried to, ignore, you know, ignore that part of my past. Thanks for digging and scraping up this old wound cliff because, and you know what I hear is I didn't get to perform. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was too scripted, it was too um cold and controlled. Yes, absolutely. It was not a performance, it was just robotic. I wonder if I I I just wonder just hypothetically if your position there was, "Hey, we're going to give you a script, but you're free to deviate it from it as as much as you need, but here's the outcome and you have this time limit to get this result." I, yeah. want, I wonder how that, because here's what I'm saying is, is I hear you say, ah, you know, we didn't have the face to face, but I, I think of it like this, you still have the opportunity to have a conversation with a person in another place on this planet and you never know what their day is like and you have the potential of adding value to them. And of course, it, the question is, is how do you feel about you know, do you, how do you feel today and how did you feel then about the idea of, of getting people into credit cards? But that's a whole different story. 
Yeah. Now, I, I, the, the only reason I would disagree with that is because it's it's contrived. So you're interrupting them. Yep. Um, their day. You're you're not able to engage. You know, they say, "Oh, you know what? What's your name again, Casey? Oh, thanks for calling me, Casey. I'd like to talk to you about something. I'm feeling lonely today. Could you take a few minutes and talk to me?" The answer is no. You really can't. You know, as far as if you're going to follow the the rules and the job, yep. you can't do that. So you're very limited in the conversation and. You know, frankly, you're you're hired and you're there to sell something. Yeah, and they have their way of doing it, and they don't. You're, you're discouraged from from venturing into that other realm of conversation. Casey, do you think this had any negative consequences for you as far as conditioned thoughts and emotions related to selling? You know, that's a great question. I, I what a, what an amazing question. I've never thought about that, uh, and it very well may because I do struggle. Yeah, I think. Uh, I struggle with with asking for money. I struggle with 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 selling, with overcoming objections. I, I, I'm pretty good at it. I force myself to do it, but it's definitely something that that I can struggle with. And, I, and maybe that does. As I I've never gone into that area and tried to unpack it and see what beliefs might have come from that experience. But now that you mention it, I'm going to give that a lot of thought. Yeah, I, I, that's and that, that's why I love having these conversations is because we sometimes are completely unaware subconsciously how much our beliefs have been shaped by our prior experiences. And, 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 and I absolutely agree with you. I'm not a fan of telemarketing. I'm not a fan of interrupting people. And you know what? The, the thing is, is you have a desire. Number one, you have a desire to perform. You, you like the creative nature of performing as well. You don't want somebody to give you a script. It's very clear. Um, yeah. and, but the thing is, is that this idea is that, hey, listen, I'm not here to help you. I'm here to sell you something, whether you need it or not. That's my, that's my desired outcome. And, and recently, I had a conversation with somebody and I, they said, I absolutely hate to sell. I think selling is the worst thing on this planet. I said, well, you need to go become an employee somewhere uh, unless we can change your belief about sales. And I said, what do you, how would you define sales? And, and they define sales as I'm trying to sell somebody something that they probably don't need. I'm tr- or I'm trying to convince someone to purchase something they probably don't need. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's, that's not how I see sales at all. Um, my my definition of sales is I'm trying to convince somebody to make a decision that's absolutely going to benefit their lives. Right. Yeah. Totally agree. And and so what you, what you had is you were being forced to do something. I don't. I, again, that some people there's a lot of different people that think a do, lot of different things about credit and debt and and all those other things. But even still, even you know, what if you were selling vacuum cleaners or I'm sorry, sweepers, um, if we were selling sweepers phone by, you know, by phone, I mean, the thing is you, you may have actually helped somebody get a, a more valuable sweeper that, that does a better job. It's cleaner, um, air quality for the entire family. And, and next thing you know, you're, ac- you're actually improving people's lives. If you had the opportunity to convince somebody to buy one that wouldn't wouldn't have thought about having anything more than that big huge bag that's ex- letting all these dust particles and dust mites up into the air and and basically giving all their kids uh, all kinds of allergies and stuff like that that keeps them from playing the sports that they desire to play that leads them to become get into sports medicine and then one day they decide to shift from sports medicine into uh, studying how, the cure for cancer and that person's the person who could have cured cancer but they couldn't do that because they didn't have the life expectancy to do all those other things because well you didn't sell them the sweeper right 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a uh it's very true. It, 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 it's it, you, it, it, it has, is how you have to look at it. I totally agree. As, as a business owner, you know, three quarters of what we do is, is sell people on how we can help them and improve their lives. It's the truth. That's what we do every day. So, okay. So you had the, the, the telemarketing experience and then there was a, I heard something about a restaurant industry. Yes. So that took me the rest of the way through college was working at, at a restaurant. I worked at the Olive Garden in uh, Cherry Hill back uh, three years through college. And uh, I, I enjoyed every minute of that. Now, that's a community. That's a family when you work in a restaurant like that. Um, the servers and everybody, they become very close. We spend a lot of time together. And that's a performance all the time. Well, what, were what were you doing? What were you doing? I actually did every job in the restaurant imaginable. So the first year, I I did nothing but wait tables. Then if you remember the Olive Garden from the early 1990s, they had a pasta man, the guy who was making the pasta out front. So I was the pasta man some of the time. I was in the kitchen cooking some of the time. Um, And then I was a host after I hurt, I hurt common theme. I hurt my back one summer. So I had to, I couldn't lift trays. I couldn't lift things. So I was the host and guided people, took them to their table when they started their meal. Hmm. Awesome. So what, what, what do you think was the most valuable lessons you learned in the, the newspaper industry, delivering the newspapers? What, what takeaways do you have out of that experience that, that helps you become the best at what you do today to add value to people's lives? Well, you know, the funny thing about that is it's, it's finished the job. So what does that mean? That means I, I delivered a weekly paper. We delivered it four weeks and collected on the fifth. And you think of the paper as delivering the papers, but you got to do the collections. I never wanted to, to collect. I never wanted to walk around, knock on the door and ask for money because that took you know four times as long and it wasn't fun. And, and it's not what you think of when you're delivering papers, but it is the, it, you got to finish the job. Don't just do the 80%, do the whole thing. Make sure you go out and do that. The work you don't love sometimes is the most important part of the job. Awesome. What about mowing lawns? What, what, what did you learn about that season of life that still carries with you today? That was, I was much younger when I did that, and that's responsibility. You know, the, the days would come where it was time to mow the lawn and you didn't feel like doing it. And fortunately, I had parents that would say, you, you can't, you got, what are you talking about? You got to get out there and mow the neighbor's lawn. You're being paid to do that. That's your job. Get out there and do it. So as a kid, that was really important that I learned you know, when, when you commit to doing something, you got to do it. Okay. What about pumping gas? I don't know if I learned anything about pumping gas. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, that was just, again, another one of those things where whether the weather was good, the weather was bad, no matter the environment, you had to go out there and do your best. Okay. And yeah, you might've been cold, but you I, still had I, to run. I, th- I think you learned more. I, I think you've already even shared one thing that you learned, but you may not realize it. So I, I, I'd like to camp here for just a second and see if we can't sure. pull something. How long did you pump gas? Uh, that was probably, I want to say three years, three or four years. All right. Like so number one, did you or did you not have a dream of becoming a guy who pumps gas? Oh, when I was younger, I wanted to be a guy who pumps gas. Absolutely. All right. So did you or did you not discover the idea of how to turn dreams into reality? Oh, that's a good point. I certainly did. Yeah, I, I, I had a goal I, and I achieved that by getting hired to do it. All right. What Did you get hired the very first day you tried? Yes. Awesome. Cool. Yes. So uh, what about multitasking? 
Yeah, you're right. You had you you'd be talking to people. Well, you'd you'd have the fast lanes and the slow lanes, right? Or the busy lanes and the slow lanes, because there was you could only come into the gas station one way. And so everybody, you know, it's just everybody always stops at the first spot, right? So those those would be the, the fast lanes. There were three sets of lanes. The one the closest to the entrance was the fast lane. And you learned, absolutely. You had to multitask. You'd have six pumps going. You'd have credit cards flying. You'd have people handing you cash. You'd have somebody calling you over to help them with something. And you had to make sure everything was moving forward all the time. What about customer service? I learned a lot of lessons about customer service there. Absolutely. You know, I learned that that sometimes people will be unreasonable. And you know what? It's your job to still treat them the same way you treat everybody else and to make them, you know, if they come in and they're not happy about something, whether whether it, it's it's your fault or not, you could still make their day better. And, you know, oftentimes you could take that person who wasn't happy and turn them into somebody who is by the time they left. Yeah. Or, or maybe if they're not, at least you did something to give, to put something to, to weigh the end, of, at the end of the day, when they weigh the good and the bad, at least maybe that smile on your face was, was on the other side of the scale for them. Absolutely. Like- and that was also, real quick, that was also a, a job where we learned discipline. There were lots of rules at the gas station. It was run by a great guy, real nice guy, but you were not allowed to sit down. You were not allowed to, to, uh, to be out front and not not look the part, look ready to help. Um, so we did learn a lot of a lot of discipline and a lot of good um, qualities came out of that in what we were required to do and the and the way we were required to act. So it was it was also good in that sense as well. I bet you, Casey. Tell me the tell me what you think about this. If you were to go away and spend an entire Saturday afternoon with with a note uh, notebook and a and a pen and write down 50 life lessons you learned from being a gas station attendant. Do you think you can come up with 50? Wow, 50 might be tough, but you know, I probably, if I gave it enough thought, could find 50 things I learned. I think you're right. So, and, and the reason why I love this, you know, there's so much value in our past experience. And for the people who are listening to our conversation here, I want people to understand this because what I one of the things you know that I do today, I help people you know start and create and and grow very profitable online businesses. And it's like, and I say, well, tell me what what experience, gifts, talents, and and expertise do you have? It's like, well, I just have this. I'm like, no. It's like, well, tell me about your past, and and you can pull so many valuable life lessons. Uh, there, I mean, just, I can imagine that just that whole discipline, what you just said, that you have, I bet you have some core beliefs and core values about showing up, looking the part, not resting on your laurels. I mean, some of the, that, I would, I would say that maybe some of that makes you who you are today, that maybe those things may had not been there prior to that, that place of employment. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you just made me think of something that that I think we miss a lot, which is so earlier we talked about selling, right? And how maybe a job I had in telemarketing might have had a negative impact on, you know, me as a salesperson. And and we do that a lot. We look back and try and pull out all the neg- how did these negative beliefs come about? We rarely if ever look back and say Let's pull out the positives. So if I go back and look at, at, at the gas station, oh, I'm, I bet you I could find a few things that, that have changed me to an, in a negative way going forward. But I bet you I could find 10 or 20 times as many 
that had a positive impact on my life. And, and we neglect those. We're always hard on ourselves looking for the negative. We fail too frequently to go back and, and, and look at the positive and reinforce those things and, and appreciate where we've come and how we've gotten to where we are. And this is the secret to self-confidence is what I have found. What, what is self-confidence? Self-confidence is recognizing the value that we have to offer to others. It's, the, it's who we are as a human being. It's, it's like, listen, I am confident in who I am and the value that I can bring to you. And having confidence as a business owner is extremely important. And by the way, I, we, we all do this. I don't know about you, Casey, but do you ever have like waves of self-confidence? Like sometimes your self-confidence is really high. And when it comes time to, to give a proposal or to, you know, to make a sales pitch or to, to present you know, to a potential client, it's like your confidence level is through the roof. And it's like, you know, they're, they're not getting out without buying this thing. Have you ever experienced that? Absolutely. And have you ever experienced, it's like, okay, this person is begging me for the opportunity to work with me. And, but my self-confidence, have you ever experienced some real lows in your self-confidence? It's like, woe is me. Why would anybody want to work with me? And you go into a presentation where this person's already predisposed to buy from you. And for whatever reason, they just smell the fear oozing from you and they go in a different direction. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, I think I have. I think I have. And, and, yeah, you're absolutely right. So, so self-confidence, what I, one of the keys, there, there, I, there's a lot to self-confidence, but one of the keys is to be willing to recognize how much value, how much experience we have and to pull from those things in the past and say, you know what, man, there's an, there is an ever-growing list. And so I, I somewhat jokingly suggested, you know, what if you were to spend a Saturday and pull out 50 life lessons or experiences you had in your years doing pumping gas? But if you think about all those little things that you would pull up, is it maybe you come up with 30. But man, this all of a sudden becomes what's I, what I call my personal and professional inventory. It's right. like this is the inventory of who I am and what I bring to the table. So when you hire me as the stressed out caregiver, when you hire me as your attorney for elder law, when you come to me for advice on you know whatever it is that you're dealing with, I, this the, right here, this list, this ever growing list is my inventory of what I bring to the table. This is what you get to tap into when you ask me a question. Right? Yeah. You. Yeah. I mean, you get. Wow, we all bring so much and you get so much when you when you reach out and ask that question. Absolutely. It's uh wow, you know, having this conversation actually you're inc- increasing my self-confidence just to, in what you just said there. Yeah. I, that's monumental. So so now you understand why it's like, man, the newspaper, I, I bet you could come up with 15 things that that you experienced and that are that have added positive traits to who you are and how you show up in the world. Mowing lawns, pumping gas, telemarketing. I mean, j- just the fact that you were willing the, to dial the phone and you, your ability to, to can, I mean, here's the thing. It would be one thing is if, if you did the telemarketing for a season and then you left and you never went back, but the fact that you went back and did it again, you know, right. that's, you know what that says is that I'm not afraid to be rejected. Mm-hmm. You know what? I I know that in life I'm going to be rejected, 
But man, I was willing to go and do it because there was a job to be done. And sometimes when there's a job to be done, you have to be willing to be rejected. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you have to sift through a lot of dirt before you find the gold, right? Yep. And, and rejection, it comes along. You can't have the positives sometimes without those negatives. I totally agree. You hurt your back three times. What, what happened? What, I mean, how did you hurt your back? You know, the first time was playing soccer. Um, it was actually in the uh, the state championship game, which we lost, unfortunately. It haunt, haunts me to this day. Um, but I took a knee to the back in that game, and I, and I ruptured a disc. Um, so a few months later, I, I needed surgery. So that was my junior year of high school. It happened again uh, my junior year in college playing baseball. I uh, herniated it pitching. Um, so that, that required, I missed my junior year. I missed my second semester junior year of college because I had to come home and have surgery. And then the third time, three years later, I was in a car accident. Somebody hit me and, uh, it, it ruptured again. I've wow. been very fortunate because the last surgery was 1995. So it's 23 years ago. Uh, and my whole back problem seems to be behind me now. <laughs> um, <laughs> no pun intending. Thank you for laughing. Most people don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I mean that that but that helped shape me as well because you know, you, you miss school, you miss opportunities like that and, and but you can't fall behind. So it forced me to have to work harder to keep up. It forced me to have to work harder at my job and um, you know, I'm appreciative what can I take from this, right? Um, you hit a, a negative obstacle. How can I, how can I benefit from this? Uh, what can I learn from it? And and so it, it helped shape me as well. Sports is a big thing for you. Um, you, you obviously are, you, you say it still haunts you to this day that, you know, that this happened during the state championship for your soccer junior in high school. Uh, you were in on baseball team in college. Um, did, did you have aspirations to, to go even further with sports at all? No, no. I just, I just loved, I love playing. We lost uh, the state championship my junior and senior year in high school. Um, it, it killed me. We, we should have lost the first time. We, the second time, we, I think we should have won, but we didn't. Um, but sports has been a, a part of my life uh, all along. In fact, you know, it's one of the things about my relationship with my father. I was very lucky. He coached me all through my youth sports. Um, so we had that relationship and, and he worked a lot when I was young. He wasn't home many nights, but he would come home, uh, take the time out, coach my athletics, uh, and then go back to work after that. So, you know, I was very, very fortunate to have him do that and that relationship. And that's helped shape me as a father, you know, and, and, and an adult myself, having seen the, the example he provided in that sense. Your dad, you said you've, you've worked with him for what, 20, it's almost going 22 years this month, I think. Yes. And what was your father always an attorney your entire life? Yes, he was. He he he's been an attorney ever since I've known him. <laughs> and has that always he's has he always been in elder care as well? No, no, that now that's an interesting story. You see, we were a general practice. Uh, my father was um you know, he did a, a little bit of a lot and he was very good at it. And um when I joined him and and graduated law school and got licensed, I was really frustrated by not, I didn't know a lot about anything. I was learning a little bit about a lot, but it was very unfulfilling to me not to know a lot about something. And the, the, the landscape of the law was changing where it was becoming more and more difficult to be a general practitioner. So he and I were looking for a, an area of law that we could settle in and, and focus on. And my uncle, 
who has, uh, he lives up in, in Massachusetts. He's not really my uncle. He's my father's best friend or one of his best friends. Um, he's his best friend from law school. He's a part of our family. So he's as close to me or closer than any natural, you know, relative that I have, um, other than my nuclear family. Um, he has been practicing elder law since the, the, the beginning of, of his career, his legal career. And he said to us, he said, guys, you've got to look into this. You will love this area of law. You will love having this impact on these families going through these difficult times. So we looked at it, we explored it, and we decided to, to make a career of it. So back right around the year 2000, he and I dedicated ourselves to um, our practice being an elder law practice. It's been the best thing we ever did. What does an attorney do if they're devoted to elder law? Like, what what do, what is what is the average person that comes to you? What what kind of what are they dealing with, and and what do they what advice are you, are they seeking from you? Okay, so most people are coming to me um, as new caregivers, meaning their their mom, their dad, their elderly loved one ha- is experiencing a problem, and that is thrusting. The, the child into taking a role um, that they that they don't understand they're not necessarily ready to undergo or undertake and and they need help because they're drowning um, they need help usually in one of three things decision making care planning or protecting money um, so real quick decision making is are they in place to make decisions on their loved one's behalf if their loved one can't do it for themselves care planning do they have a roadmap of care? that they're going to use to help their loved ones live the highest possible quality of life and the money. How are they going to pay for the care? Can they protect the, their loved ones' dollars from the cost of care? They're the three big things we do. Now, there are legal tools we use to do them. We have estate planning documents for decision-making. We have guardianships for decision-making. We have social workers and geriatric care managers who help with decision-making. And then the lawyers, we, we do a lot of our art is in trying to help protect the money helping people get on Medicaid when they run out of money. And, and that's really the big thing. Now, what's the other thing? It's funny. I actually break elder law into three and a half steps. The first three we talked about, decision-making, care, planning, and the money. The half step is probate. What happens after somebody passes away? Because a lot of our clients, while many will, will pass away with no money left, because of the, the care they had to purchase uh, along the way, many will, will pass away with assets and we help their family deal with that issue as well. So, tell me how how long ago did the idea of coming up with the stressed out caregiver come about? That's that's probably six or so years in the making. Um, I I've, I wanted to put a website together with uh, where where look, here's the bottom line. I don't like helping people one on one. I feel like our talents are wasted it, where like they have to come in. Every People have to identify their specific problem, come in, sit down, pay for the help. And, and we're limited in that we're only helping that one person when there's so many others out there that need help too. So in order to, to raise the level of fulfillment, in order to say, hey, I want everybody who's caring for an elderly loved one to have the best possible quality of life, I wanted to find a way to leverage the message and the advice so that we can help everyone. And so the stressed out caregiver, the whole genesis of that was the idea of, can we share tips for people caring for a loved one 
because they really don't know where they are, what to do. With, with each situation they encounter, it's a new scenario that they have to learn about. And can we make that easier for them so that we can improve their loved one's quality of life? Because what I always say is this, if they can improve their elderly loved one's quality of life, they will improve theirs too. They go hand in hand. One follows the other. So the idea here is that, you know, somebody who maybe is listening to us, and let's just say they're around my age. I, I'm 45, getting ready to turn 46 here soon. And let's just say their their parents have been very much healthy and uh, everything seems to be going well. And then all of a sudden, they, they notice that, you know, maybe mom or dad is starting to forget things more often than normal. And you go in and they get a diagnosis of dementia or something like that. And then the next thing you know, this person is slowly degrading and is taking up way more of your own thought resources. You know, maybe prior to this diagnosis, you probably saw mom and dad twice a year, right around Thanksgiving, Christmas. There was plenty of phone calls. Maybe we had dinner every now and then, but now all of a sudden you're finding yourself spending several days a month helping them do some of the daily routines of life. And that's starting to turn into several days a week. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, it's just like an all-consuming thing. And your life is out of control because you are, quote unquote, stressed out. Yes. Yes. That, that, is, the com- that is a common scenario that people find themselves dealing with. And, the, and so what your stressed out caregiver is, from my understanding, is the idea of this, uh, you want to create a resource where these people can go and get valuable tips and advice uh, for free, but also where there are some additional courses where maybe they don't want to hire you one-on-one at yourself or another uh, attorney, because even before researching, it's like, well, just nobody can afford that, you know? <laughs> right. I can't even afford the medical expenses coming from this. I, just, I, I can't, I'm not going to go see an attorney. Oh my gosh. Uh, so, but the thing is, is if you, they could find a blog or a podcast or some other resources out there that will help give them the tips and the advice. So, so tell me, what do you have already for the stressed out caregiver that I just potentially imagined here for my audience? So, and, and I happen to know that out of the size of the audience that I have, I, I would imagine at least five to 10% of my audience probably says, dude, tell me more about this stressed out caregiver thing. Yeah. So the stressed out caregiver is a website, the stressed out caregiver.com. And, and that site is really the home of the podcast, the stressed out caregiver podcast, that podcast, I share a tip. I, I run about three days a week. In fact, I just published one shortly before our interview today. And, um, we touch on it's really a it's it's kind of a um, it's a shotgun approach. Meaning today we'll talk about a dementia care assisted living. Tomorrow we'll talk about if somebody passes away without a will. The next day we'll talk about guardianships. And, and we we try I try and hit various topics to get people at, at different stages. And it really um, it's a tip that will help them identify an issue, save time, save money, um, and, and and make the job easier. It's not a substitute for professionals, right? If you're in Tennessee and you have an issue where an attorney would be helpful, the stressed out caregiver is not a substitute for the attorney, but what it will do is it will tighten and sharpen your conversation so you have a better idea of what you're dealing with. So when you sit down with the attorney, it may take less attorney time. You may be able to leapfrog certain problems and get right into other issues. And and it really helps give you a foundation 
of what is it you're dealing with as your loved one is encountering these issues of aging. That is awesome. So that's the the thestressedoutcaregiver.com. And how long have you been doing this podcast? Uh, the podcast started in 2014. Wow. And, yes. And, and no, that was when I was a student at, at some guy's podcasting A to Z course. Uh, and I, that person said, at the end of this course, you will have a podcast and a website. And, and lo and behold, I followed all the advice. And by the end of the course, me, Mr. Non-Technical, had a podcast and a website that I did myself with, with, with great guidance. Um, so I'm very proud of that. So the podcast started in 2014, but I went on hiatus for about two years because I, I was I was um, I got sick, and then I was the the president of the county bar association for a year, and I had a lot of other commitments. So I really had to kind of put this 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 pro, this it's my pet project. It's the thing that I love the most, but I had to put it aside because I had some other things that that that. Um, came up, but now it is it is front and center, and we are building this thing out. And so, not only are we doing the podcast, but we're we're creating. I'm creating courses um, intended to help people build a very strong foundation when they're caring for their loved ones. That's awesome. Do you have a mailing list right now, like an email newsletter that people can sign up for and and receive these tips in their email inbox from time to time? I do. I do. Um, so right now, anybody who wants to join the newsletter um, can can email me directly at, at the stressed out caregiver. The email address is Casey, C-A-S-C-Y at the stressed out caregiver dot com. If they send me their email, I'll put them on the mailing list. They will get my updates. It's a weekly update. Um, anybody who goes in through Facebook in, in my uh, my I haven't I have a guide I give away. It's about finding and paying for care for a loved one. And it's a very mechanical guide. We talk about like issues when you need to find care, issues when you need to pay for care. Um, it talks about professionals that could assist you, but it's a very mechanical piece. When people sign up for that guide, though, I then follow that up with, with 13 emails that I call my emotional caregiving guide. So what it does is it complements the, the nuts and bolts guide that I give out uh, as, as a 14-page document. With, with 13 pages of emotional issues that people run into. So the one thing I, I talk about is use every available tool, right? What does that mean? Well, there are a lot of people who have preconceived ideas that, that reverse mortgages are bad or hospice is bad, and they don't allow themselves to use those tools to help their loved ones. Well, that's like trying to build a house without a hammer, right? If you take an important tool away, you're not going to get the job done as well. By availing yourself of every possible tool that can help your loved one, you can do a better job improving their quality of life. So, yeah, I try and talk about issues like that, stigmatizing issues or, or guilt issues or things like that so that people understand it's not just nuts and bolts, dollars and cents, but there's also that emotional part that you have to get through when you're caring for a loved one. So if, you, if somebody is a stressed out caregiver of, a, of an aging parent that's dealing with these issues, it sounds like this is an incredible podcast, an incredible newsletter that they should receive. Now, I, now Casey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put you in the hot seat for just a moment, and I'm going to ask you a very important question. So people are listening to this, and, and I'm thinking, why can't they just go to thestressedoutcaregiver.com and right there on the main page or on the sidebar, just there's an email opt-in form. Go ahead and put your name and email address right into it and you'll be delivered that document and put into this email newsletter. Is that not set up? 
It's not set up, but by the time people listen to this <laughs> podcast, it probably will be because I met with my team on Friday. Awesome. And that is the project that they're working on is getting that list so that you can go right on the site, get the guide, and join the email list. Absolutely. Sweet. I love it. Good, good, yes. good. Uh, man. So, guys, I, I will tell you just from experience, I've been as I've been working with Casey for a number of years. It started out as a podcasting A to Z client, and well, Casey, you're you're the exact reason of why I have made the transition. You were one of those people says, "Cliff, I want to sign up for your course." You you promised that at the end of the four weeks, I'll have a podcast. That's what I want, and you get you had a podcast, right? Correct. But tell me, am I correct in that your real dream wasn't that you just have a podcast, but your dream was that you could actually build a, a profitable side business using your area of expertise and experience and all these things, your, your growing, ever-growing list of all the value you bring to the table, and you want to be able to offer that through scalable resources, uh, free resources, paid resources. You want to run a profitable business that allows you to help people. It's it's not that you hate working with people one on one because I, I I just I, tell me if I'm I'm because I heard you use that language. I think what you're saying is I hate that right now I'm limited to only impacting people's lives one person at a time because I know you love yes. to work with people one on one and you understand that it's the value that you've had over the past 18 years focused in elder care of working with one-on-one that's allowed you to understand the needs of those people so well. But right now, what you want and what you've wanted since 2014, when you said, I'm signing up for podcasting A to Z, I want to launch a podcast. What you want is you want to build a business that allows you to scale these resources. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. And, and hearing you phrase it the way you did, man, I wish I had you sitting next to me all the time because you said it precisely as, as how, how, what I'm trying to accomplish. I love talking to people one-on-one. I watched ladies come in and sit across from me, worried they're going to lose their house with their hands balled so tight, their knuckles are white. And as we have our conversation, I alleviate that stress. I watch them open their palms and relax. And, and, and oh, it feels so good to see that happen. But I would love to see that happen 10 times, 20 times, a thousand times all the time. So, and, and here's what I want to say is like, so I, I've, I've, you've heard me with the messaging that I've been sharing. You know, why did I shut down podcasting A to Z? Why am I, why is Cliff Ravenscraft gone from podcast answer man to the mindset answer man? Cliff Ravenscraft now is business mentor, life coach, and motivational speaker. Why did I make that transition? It's because I realized that most people said that they wanted a podcast, but what they want is a profitable business that lets them live, that do the work that they feel most called to do in this world and live the life of their dreams. That's what you really wanted. So Absolutely. I heard that you created your podcast, you did it for two years, and it went on a hiatus for a while. Um, let, me, let me ask you this. When did you decide to join the Next Level Mastermind? Well, that, that was back in April or March or April. Um, I was driving in my car, and, and it was one of the days when, when you were talking about it on, um, on, your, on the podcast, on your podcast, and... I don't know, something just resonated with the idea that you did podcasting A to Z all that time. You under-promised and over-delivered through that course. I, you were able to take in my mind exactly what you just said. You were able to build the podcast, but that's not what I wanted. 
I wanted to build this business. And something you, you, you said just resonated to the point where I literally pulled the car over and typed in um, and did the, uh, started the questionnaire right on the side of the road because it just, it just hit me that I had to do this because if I can follow and, and work with, with, with you and the, and the other people on the mastermind, there's great things that I can do. I can finally achieve the goal I've been dreaming of for, it's really six years. The podcast is four years, but there were two years before I did that, that I've been trying to get this thing done. So it's been it's been six years then since the initial genesis of the dream of of the stressed out caregiver as the scalable resource where you could do the work you feel most called to do and impact the largest number of lives as possible. Absolutely. Uh, let me Absolutely. ask you, compare like it was April, around April May of this year. How much have you accomplished in the past several months compared to those six years previously? I've accomplished more in the past couple of months than I did in the entire six years previously. Um, but probably, you know, two, three, four times as much. I mean, from the first question you asked me in our interview, it was, it, it kickstarted everything that's happened ever since. And uh, I don't know if you remember what that question was, but I remember it clearly. I, I don't remember that question because I asked lots of questions of a lot of people. So tell me, what was the question? I'm eager to hear. Your question was, Casey, you have a website, you have a podcast, but if somebody's looking at that, can they find a way to work with you? Oh. Or do you have something that how, is there? How, how can they give you money? Yes. And, and it, was, it, was, it just stopped me cold. And, and, you know, so, so and I'm, I'm actually speechless right now as I think back to that and the effect that had. And, and from that moment forward, I realized I'm not giving enough. I'm not giving them the opportunity. If I can share information with them that, that inspires them to do more for their loved one, but, but I don't have more that they can do and more that they can learn, I'm not giving them my all. So because of that conversation and because of the working with the group, I now have, have two courses that are in development to, to help people um, with exactly what they're looking for assistance with, with building that foundation to caring for their loved ones. I love that you have two courses in development. And let me, I, this is what I also know about you because of course I do life with you on a weekly basis through the Next Level Mastermind, both in the meeting and we have the awesome privilege of connecting with we, each other between meetings as well. But I know that you're not doing all this by yourself, which is what most people do when they're starting their side hustles, side business ventures. They're like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go take a course on how to do courses and I'm going to go take all, I'm going to go study how to use Kajabi and I'm going to go figure out and I'm going to take a course on email marketing and I'm going to go take a course on this. And the next thing you know is basically they spend about seven or eight years taking courses and they still haven't got anything in development because they're still learning. I mean, it's like, oh my God, I need a, I need a course on how to hook up email or um, the, the payment processing system into all of these things. It's like, uh, so, so Casey, are you doing all this yourself? You got two, I mean, you're an elder care attorney by day. You've got this uh, two, three podcast episodes a week. Are you really personally doing all of that work yourself? Yeah, so no, I'm not anymore. But for six years, you described me. I can't tell you how many courses I bought. There was only one course that actually I walked away with something tangible in the end. That was podcasting A to Z. I probably have 10 other courses I bought along the way that 
we're going to teach me how to do all those things. You like you literally just mentioned my last six, seven years. Um, and, and no. So now what I learned was, no, I, I found the right people to help me do these things. And, and again, much like I'm trying to leverage my message to help more people, I've got, I've got professionals now that are assisting me to, to, to accomplish what I'm trying to do, to set up the technical part that was holding me back. The ideas are great. The content is great. I can handle all of that, but I couldn't handle the technical part. And now I have people assisting with it, that. And it's not that you couldn't. It's just that that's not the best use of your time. Yes. It would have taken me hours upon hours to figure all of this out. And it would have been doable, but it would have been, it would have been, I'd be neglecting the things I was really good at. And it would have taken hours upon hours of your time, but those are not things for, I I don't want to put words in your mouth. So I wanted to ask you if you would agree with this. Those are things that you're not quite passionate about doing. Correct. And when you're not passionate about doing, what do you do? You procrastinate, you put it off. You yes. go you go out and do anything else other than those things. Correct. And that's Absolutely. how you go six years without actually moving forward. And that's how after a couple of years of being consistent with a podcast, all of a sudden eh, it can go on hiatus for a couple of years because, you know, this is just not happening. Right. Because you're not seeing the results you want. You're, you're holding yourself back by, by not reaching out and leveraging other people's talents. And of course, the, the place that you found the very professional people, I'm sure you spent countless hours on Angie's List and, and scouring elance.com and, and all those other places trying to figure out exactly who to hire to help you with all your stuff. Is that what you did? It is. In fact, I worked with a couple of people from places like that along the way. And it just didn't, it didn't come to fruition. Things didn't pan out the way I had hoped they would. Because part of the problem was I wasn't even sure on the right questions to ask. Right. So I was trying to find solutions to, to things where I was framing the issue improperly and I needed help even doing that. And so, so what changed in the next level mastermind for you? Well, you know, it's funny because once I joined the group, I was immersed with other people trying to accomplish the same thing I was trying to do, leverage their message. But the beauty is I was with people at all different spots along the way of the journey. So they were, they were able to look at what I was trying to do, identify where I was, and then match me with people that were able to help me. Wow, they, I've accelerated my progress um, you know, 10 times by, by working with the right people that they were able to help point me to. I think I connect you in the very early stages, I believe, with Jody Smith. Is that correct? Jody, yep. I worked with Jody at the beginning, and he got, he got me started. He kind of helped prop me up. Yep. And because and, I knew that at the very beginning, it's like, Cliff, I've just got some technical things I need to figure out. I need to figure out how to, how to hook up some equipment, how, to, how, do, I, how do I do some of these recordings and, and Zoom calls. I, I need to figure that. It's like, I got the guy just for you. But then you, you needed something a little bit more advanced. Like, how do I set up these email things and these autoresponders and sequences and, and it, you know, so that if somebody does this, it then has them do this. And how does that work? And I think we set you up with are you working with peter adal on that i am peter's been fantastic yeah incredible stuff man you know the, 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 i it's so funny because i love working and facilitating in the next level mastermind because what i see you guys doing are things that i know that i should have been doing for years and years and years in my own business but i'm the thing is is i'm one of those guys unfortunately who is gifted in a in a very powerful way with technology Right. Meaning that I'm one of the, I've never taken a class 
on technology. I've never read a book about technology. I've never been to a computer course. I've, I took my first computer apart and put it back together when I was eight years old. I, I taught myself how to code basic. Um, I, I, dis, I, I was WordPress like 0.8 before WordPress was WordPress. I mean, it, 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 I hand coded my own HTML blog back when we called them web logs. So I am one of those guys, which is a curse when you're a business owner, because when you can do it all and the financial resources are really tight, then you choose to do it all. Right. And you know what I love about in the next level mastermind and seeing somebody somebody like you come in and and then all of a sudden it's like Casey what you need to do you need to stop doing that and let Jody take care of you you need to stop doing that and let Peter and then you went and did it and then your life is so much better and you're accomplishing all of this amazing stuff and I'm like oh, maybe I should take my own advice and you know what I love is that I did free the dream. And free the dream is the first real experience that I've had of what you've been able to experience recently. And that was, you know, I want to do my first conference. And I could probably go and take courses and, and I, could, I've, I can reverse engineer what I've seen other people do. It's like, okay, what do I need? I need to envision. It's like, I need to make sure the lighting is right. I need to get a sound guy, the right microphones. I can handle all of this. I could teach my son how to do video switching and recording. I could, I, I could do it all. Or I could hire an event planner and pay them seven, well, I, I won't say how much. I, I could pay them a certain set fee and let them hire all of the other people. And you know what? They've done other events for so many other people. Right. And then all of a sudden, they, and they say, Cliff, it's going to cost you this amount. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money. Okay. So, but I, I believe I'm going to sell this. And, and, and I was able to do that and... That, I got to tell you, that was the most incredible life-giving experience in my business because all of a sudden I realized that now what I'm doing is going to be scalable. You know, I, it's very clear. I've been very authentic. I, it, we just barely broke even with Free the Dream 2018. Um, but, but man, to know all the things that I learned through this first experience and to know that this team that... that they do all of the work. Now I just take this and scale it up and get the word out to more people. This is, the, you see the hope, you see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think, and I, and so Casey, you and other people in the Next Level Mastermind have had, had awoken me to this by you following my, my advice that I knew I should have been applying myself. And that's the benefit of the group. I mean, that's what's most amazing. And I, and I think I said it the other day where, you get more out of hearing other people and watching them grow, which then, which then is, is fertilizer for you in your growth. Um, it doesn't always have to be the direct advice to you. I've learned more from hearing members give advice to other members, and I've kind of been on the sideline listening and applying it to my situation, and wow, what a result I get. So it, it's, yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? When you, when you take your advice or, or, or other people's advice and... Um, and run with it. Or when you give that advice to somebody else and they run it and you see the benefits they're having in their life, it's like, I want that. <laughs> it's you know, like, it's do, do as I say, not as I do, right? And yeah. we've all said, like, so I'm really good at help trying to help other people be confident. Yet I'm the one who suffers from a lack of confidence. And so sometimes I-, I, uh, I Whoa, 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 whoa. past tense. Yeah. You're the right, one right. who had previously suffered from lack of confidence. Well, uh, you're you're right. You're absolutely right because I have to tell you, it is 
I was I, w- I was diagnosed by a friend as being um it w- well it was very self confident but with no self esteem. That was me recently, and, and my self esteem and my self confidence as a result of the group, and, and and the 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 pats on the back when I'm doing well, and actually the boosts when I'm not when I'm struggling. You know, to have people boost you up, it's like that whole footprints. Um, I love footprints. Yeah, I live my that's life a great poem, right? And it's it's when when I when I feel alone, I look, and it wasn't me. I was being carried by the other people in the group, and they're helping me get past an ob- obstacle to to overcome something that's holding me back, and to raise that self esteem and remind me you bring value with every word you say, and and that is just it's electric when when you when you when you hear it live and then when you can play it back in your mind or listen to the recordings of the call of the of the mastermind call man you never have to be without that rocket fuel you just plug it in and take off and 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 man you're equipped to do it with this team well, we've, I think, essentially given a great plug for the Next Level Mastermind. If anybody's interested, head over to nextlevelmastermind.info, nextlevelmastermind.info, and that is where you can go and apply for the Next Level Mastermind if you are so inclined to do so. Uh, Casey, real quickly, I mean, you've been through podcasting A to Z. You're in the Next Level Mastermind. Uh, what was it like for you at Free the Dream? What were your expectations going into Free the Dream? What what did you think was ha- going to happen? And nobody else I know can put it into words. But well, first, what was your expectations going into Free the Dream? You know, I didn't really know what to expect. I love self improvement, and I've I've read. I'm I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. I've got a hundred books on there about trying to be a better person, a better business person. Um, just trying to improve myself. And every now and then, you know, I would get to the point where I'd wonder whether or not I was going to ever get benefit out of, out of these things. Uh, but so I went into to Free the Dream wondering, am I, am I really going to see a benefit? Or am I just going to be going through the motions? Am I going to let myself um, be receptive to what's out there, or have I have I am I hardened to the point where that's not going to penetrate what what is a is a mindset um, that exists after all these years? Now, if I may jump ahead <laughs> to what really happened, it was astounding um, to walk into a group into a room with with I was one of eighty seven and, and to see eighty six other people ready and receptive and, and and looking to help each other, right? Before it even began, we were meeting people, they were we were taking names and, and talking about our businesses and 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 offering to help. The the person the first person I met, uh Phil, uh, offered to help immediately with a with a, a technical question that that I happened to mention. I mean a, a switch turned on, you know? And then the program began and you started with your opening keynote. And Something, something just penetrated. The room was electric. People were on the edge of their seat listening. They were writing. They were, they were, they were um, steeping in what you were sharing. And from the from just after the first at the first break, people were already talking different. They were already saying different things. By the end of the first day, it was they, people were changing. Like before our eyes, they were changing, and. Um, you know, by by the end, relationships had been formed that I think are going to be lifelong in many situations. And and wow, we have we have new people rooting for us, supporting us, 
trying to will us to better things. But not just doing that, but making themselves available if we ever have questions or need help or, or want information. I, 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 I'm just, I'm stunned by what happened. Um, it, was, it was just life-changing. It really was. That is awesome. Uh, you, you, I, you know, a lot of people have struggled. We, we, we've had a difficult time coming with words, and and I tell you, yeah, I, everything you said, we we saw it, and my expectations were really high going into it. I made a lot of promises going into this, Casey, into Free the Dream. I, I, there were people who said, Cliff, I'm on the fence about deciding to come to your Free the Dream conference, and and let me tell you what I'm, let me tell you what my dream is. Do you think Free the Dream will help me? And, and I had to do some soul searching and I said, absolutely, I have no doubt that it will. And I didn't have doubt, but I can tell you, I'm a type of person, Casey, that always under promises and looks for ways to over deliver. And what I felt when I said that is like, yeah, I can meet that promise, but I don't know if I can over deliver because that was a big ask. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, yep. and the only thing I can tell you is I believe it was a God thing that happened at Free the Dream 2018 because there's not a doubt in my mind that anybody who had the biggest, like what they were trying, the event, I'm not saying Cliff Ravenscraft, I'm saying just the event over delivered way beyond any promises that were made. And it, man, I'm st- I still am in awe of what took place there. Uh, so yeah, but yes, people's lives were changed. I, you're, you're right. I love the fact that you pointed out that people's language shifted all of a sudden people. That's the one thing I think we all came away with prior to this event. We didn't have the language of thoughts plus emotions, uh, that are conditions equal or lead to our actions, which then give us our results and that that's what a belief system is. And, and people that, you know, um, it was only one third of the audience who had ever thought to, to, to actually uh, go in and investigate what is a belief? A belief is a conditioned or a repeated thought that you feel certain is true. <laughs> That's what a belief is. Right. And, and I remember it's like, wow, I, nine months ago when I heard that from the first time, for the first time, I'm like, that's news to me. I, th- I thought, uh, what, what is, I, I didn't even think to ask what a belief was. And then all of a sudden, all, every, all 87 people had this shared language. And then they realized it's like, wow, that, yeah, every result that I have in life is a result. It, it equals the actions that I've taken. And the actions are because of the beliefs, these repeated thoughts and emotions. And unless I, uh, so many people in life prior to Free the Dream were just trying to change their actions. Mm-hmm. Right. But they had never known that for them to truly change their actions long term and for those changes to for the change in the actions they take in life to to last a lifetime, they actually have to discover and become aware of the belief system that drives was driving those other actions. Because you can change, you can will yourself to do different things for a period of time. But eventually, if you don't change the belief system, the conditioned thoughts and emotions you'll go right back to where you were. You said it, you said it maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago in, in, in an episode. You said, I lost a lot of weight, but I was a heavy person who lost weight. Not, I wasn't a light person, you know, an in-shape fit person getting back to fighting weight. I was a heavy person who lost weight. And, and that shift, because that, that actually helped me. And in, in, in hearing you describe that, it, 
again, I was able to apply it to myself and change my, where am I coming from? Where are you coming from when you're taking action? Are you coming from, you know, the wrong side? I'm, I'm, I'm an overweight person losing weight. Or are you coming from the right side? I'm, I'm, I'm in shape. I'm an athlete. I'm, I've been an athlete my whole life. All right, I gained a few pounds, but I'm getting back to fighting shape. I'm getting back to the point where I have control over everything and because that's who I am. I'm not the heavy guy. I'm the guy who's in shape. And, and you are getting in shape. You're actually doing something. Uh, is it, I, I'm going to say the word wrong. Is it, I, I'm wanting to say fujitsu, but I, it's, what is it called? Yeah, I've started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I just started a few months ago, and it's uh, I'm a beginner again, right? In life, it's good to be a beginner, and I'm learning a new skill, and and I'm getting in shape. I love it. Um, it it's I'm the the fit person I am is is, is so happy because I'm I'm working through. Um, I've gained a little weight over the years, and I'm working to be back to the person I'm supposed to be. I love it. You're an athlete who's getting back into fighting weight. That is incredible. I, so much fun. Casey, man, we could talk for hours. I, I, you, you know what? You, I want you to know this. You add value to my life. I always am encouraged and inspired every opportunity we, you and I get to talk. The actions that you've taken over the last several months have inspired me and motivated me and helped elevate my own standard of what I'm doing in my business. And I just appreciate you as a friend, and I, I'm honored that I get to do life with you. Well, you know, Cliff, thank you. And I really think you're just seeing a reflection of you when, when you see my positives in many ways, because this is a cynical world we live in. I think we've, we've become accustomed to people letting us down. It's rare that people live up to their promises, let alone exceed them. And I must say, you know, we've known each other casually now since 2014 and, and now more, more intimately or closely since I joined the group. And, and I'm never, I'm, I would, I'm never disappointed, but I'm always overwhelmed by what it is you do and the way you lead and, and how you always over deliver. Um, I've, I've, it's just, it's astounding. So when, when you're seeing me grow as a result of the people in the next level mastermind, um, you know, your leadership and what you bring to the group and bring to all of us, when, when you see things and our change, it's really a reflection because I, I think it starts with you and what you've been able to do for all of us in, in all, all these years when we were working together and long before. Uh, I'm, hey, I'm using the, a microphone that you talked about four years ago, five years ago in your podcast. What, my accomplishments are, are, are a direct reflection in, in a lot of the things that, that I've gained from you over the years. And I thank you for this opportunity for this conversation and everything else you've done uh, it, to, to touch and affect my life. Thank you. Well, there you go, my friends. I can't even begin to tell you what a privilege it is to be able to do life with Casey Price and the other members of the Next Level Mastermind and people that I get to work with. It's just an incredible blessing of what I get to do today. Hey, real quickly, I know that there are many of you who are resonating with what it is that Casey does. I've been a life coach and mentor to people for quite some time, and I do know about people who just out of nowhere all of a sudden find themselves stressed out about the increasing care that they need to give to their aging parents. And when you already have 
you're married, you've got young kids, you're building your business, and then all of a sudden you have aging parent or maybe even aging parents that you are also providing care for, the stress that that brings into the household, the stress that it brings into your life, and more than anything, it's the unknown. It's all of those things that you just don't know that you don't know. It can be overwhelming, and that's exactly what Casey Price is trying to do, is to help people just like you who are stressed out giving care to all these people in your life. And if you are in this situation, or you know somebody else who is in the situation where they are caring for their aging parents, their elderly loved ones, I would highly encourage you to check out thestressedoutcaregiver.com thestressedoutcaregiver.com. Now, in the conversation I had with Casey, you heard us, he, he actually is working with a team of people who are doing some of the technical details behind the scenes. So by the time you guys get this podcast episode, if you go to thestressedoutcaregiver.com, you can put your name and email address and get that free resource available. However, if it doesn't happen to make the deadline and it's not there by Friday, you can email Casey, C-A-S-E-Y, at thestressedoutcaregiver.com and he will add you to his mailing list. I can tell you right now, the type of person that Casey is, he's like, he's just like me in that he desires to serve you, to help you. He wants to be able to scale his influence and impact and use his experience and expertise in helping people who are giving and providing care to their elderly loved ones. He wants to help alleviate that stress and help you recover peace in your mind, peace of mind on your daily basis. I, 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 there's nothing that I can think of that I could endorse any more than just saying, hey, go check out his podcast the stressed out caregiver. Look for that podcast in your podcast directory of choice and then go to the website, thestressedoutcaregiver.com. Tell him that Cliff Ravenscraft sent you. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Real quick note to let you know that we do have just a few spots available here in October 2018 for the Next Level Mastermind. If you want, you can head over to nextlevelmastermind.info. We'd love to have you join us on a weekly basis. Until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level.